0: Welcome to Wisdom from the Mountain, a podcast about intuition, spirituality, and following your path. I'm your host, Tara Alexandria. I'm a psychic medium, intuitive guide, and healer. I'm here to support you to live from your intuition and find true healing and authentic growth. Thank you for being here and for your willingness to live your best life for yourself and for the world around you. Hello, and welcome back to Wisdom from the Mountain. I'm Tara, and today's is a guest episode. I love sharing these episodes with you so that we can really hear about how someone woke up to the path that they're now walking. Today's episode is with conscious relationship coach Cassandra Solano. She shares her evolution through childhood trauma and alcoholism to deep healing and personal empowerment. Today, she combines her past experiences with her education and training as a licensed clinical social worker to help other women heal and thrive through their relationships and in their life. Cassandra believes our relationships are a container in which to truly heal ourselves and grow. She focuses her work on attachment trauma and unrecognized childhood emotional abuse and neglect. In this episode, we also talk about healing the inner child ancestral healing and connecting with her family roots. Thank you so much for being here and listening and enjoy the episode. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to have you and can't wait to see what this conversation unfolds. Thank you so much for having me. So I think I'd like to just start this conversation with you just telling us about yourself, about your work in the world, however you want to go about it. Let us know who you are. Cool. Thanks. So the short intro is that I'm Cassandra
1: Solano, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker in the state of California, um, and I'm a conscious relationship coach. So uh, pretty much I help folks with their relationship issues, whether they're currently partnered, or single and just having challenges, kind of attracting a healthy mate or or keeping a healthy relationship in their life. Kind of figure out what are the blocks, what are the underlying patterns, um, what is the past trauma, childhood emotional trauma or physical trauma, what are the old stories that have kind of kept them stuck in these loops. And it's a lot of folks who maybe have been there for years and now they're on the spiritual path and they're doing this, you know, work on themselves and they're realizing, oh my gosh, like I've been in this relationship for these years or in these type of relationships for years and I want something different. Um, it's a beautiful place because often they're realizing I do deserve more or can there be more for me? Or is there a different experience available to me than what I've always known and seen growing up? And I'm um, like, yes, sister, absolutely. And let's figure out how to get you there, how to allow yourself to receive that. So kind of in a nutshell, that's the service I provide And what brought me to this work was 20 years of being in that loop of negative, unhealthy relationships. Pretty much from the time I started dating when I was a teenager, my relationships were super toxic, um, emotionally, psychologically abusive, eventually um, going into a very physically abusive relationship when I was 19. Um, And then getting out of that relationship and finding someone who um, seemed at least on a superficial level, healthier and, and getting um, into a marriage. But as I continued to grow and do my self-work, my spiritual work, I also got sober in the first year of that relationship. And I just recognized at some point along the path that I had outgrown this relationship and this person. And I did everything I could for years and years to try to make it work. You know, and then once I kind of released that and thought, okay, maybe if I just focus on myself and I become so spiritual, I can somehow transcend this, <laughs> you know, um, relationship. Uh, it, and I really allowed love and romance to fall way down on my scale or or list of priorities in my life. Um, And I just focused on my career and I um, excelled really well in that um, or in other areas. And then as I continued to do the work and especially doing healing around my childhood and the emotional trauma of being raised by a narcissist and alcoholic and all of that family dysfunction that comes with it. I woke up to the realization that healthy, happy relationships and fulfilling love and, and long-term partnership is something that is available to me and that I could have and that I do deserve. Once I had that awakening, then there were some decisions I had to make because I realized I wasn't going to get it from this 11 year marriage I was in. And eventually, you know, through seen spiritual healers, therapy, shaman, getting energy work like all the things I built up I think enough strength and self-worth and believe in myself that I was able to to finally leave and that's just what was the right aligned decision for me. It's not the right choice for everybody to end a relationship, but for me that was kind of the next indicated step. And now I'm remarried in a super Healthy, I think I feel like we have the healthiest relationship of anybody I know. It, it didn't start off easily. And, and um, we both have processed a lot of our childhood trauma in the context of the relationship, which is beautiful and what I think relationships are really for. And now it's like I didn't even know I could have something like this. And the example that we're setting for my children of what a healthy relationship can look like to me, it's a huge step in kind of breaking those cycles of that intergenerational trauma, the intergenerational dysfunction of, you know, marriage is something to be suffered. And not everyone, I will say, is their goal is marriage or that's in their value system. And I honor that too. That's just kind of, for me, what's my truth. And um, yeah, but we're, we're breaking the cycle and, and doing it differently. I want folks who are doing this first for themselves to want to have ha- healthier relationships, but also if they have kids um, to really take that into consideration too, because I really, really have confidence that my children are going to choose better. So that is kind of the short story of my life in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing yeah. it. There are so yeah. many beautiful things there that you just said, and I want to touch on a few of them, but the first thing, I feel so drawn to ask you about and I think it's important too because I think so many of your clients and the people who jump into work with you are there is the awakening moment that Mm -hmm. you mentioned like I think a lot of us who have been through those awakening moments we just kind of call it that but I would love to know if there was a moment or, you know, a little period in your life that really felt like that awakening, what that looked like, what that was, if it was super mundane or super spiritual, or Mm. just if you'd like to share that. Yeah. So
1: I think, you know, it's kind of happens in, in levels, right? We're kind of like, Maybe climbing this mountain of self discovery or spirituality, and you climb up 10 feet and you have a certain view. And then at 50 feet, the view changes, right? And it just the perspective continues to broaden. So there were definitely like levels of that expansion, but definitely the first one was just getting sober and into recovery and starting to actually deal with my past and look at myself and look at my feelings and start journaling, start meditating, start exploring spirituality. Um, I remember like the first time I went to a drum circle, you know, I remember the first time I had uh, Reiki done on me or yeah. when I started doing EFT many years ago and just these little experiences of the exploration. I had a friend and we were like going to all these different churches just to like see how people connect with the divine That really happened over a course of maybe two years of just this kind of um, spiritual kindergarten experience where I started to see like, wow, there's so much more out there to life than just going to work and, you know, coming home and being grumpy and then, you know, having to just do the, the day to day of kind of what is like we're told is success and or what brings success on the superficial level in mainstream society. And so I started to have the spiritual awakenings around then. at the time, my ex-husband really wasn't interested and I kind of just did my own thing. And that was okay for a few years before we had kids. And then we had our first daughter and I realized I wanted us to be more of like a unit. I wanted us to be more truly partnered um, on a deeper way. Because a lot of folks are out there living with their partners like roommates or thinking that this is it. And then maybe one day they realize they want something more from their partner. And so I think with the birth of our first daughter, it it wasn't like I can just live my life and he could just continue to do what he was doing. And I started wanting more from the relationship and realizing that in a long-term partnership, it's just this really deep vessel of like so much that we can draw from of like support of nourishment of, you know, healing. Um, And I was just like kind of scooping out little spoonfuls out of it and not really availing myself of everything, a long-term partnership, a committed partnership. And again, it could be with one person, you could be polyamorous. I don't have any, like, this is just in my experience. It was a monogamous married relationship and I wanted more. And we had her, I think about, she was about a year old. And as I was getting deeper into my meditative practice, like just practicing yoga and getting really in touch with my body and my self-worth and my spirit, I realized how painful it was for me to continue to be in this situation and how it wasn't serving me. And I tried to leave. I asked for a separation. My heart is with folks who have tried to leave maybe multiple times and um, they haven't been able to, or for whatever reason, maybe it's financial, maybe, you know, they still, there's a lot of love there and they still hope the person will turn it around. He said he was going to like try to make changes and promised up and down. And then life just got busy. And again, I feel like having two more kids getting kind of just distracted back into that superficial just like got to climb the corporate ladder got you know, and just focused very much on that. And I kind of neglected my deeper spiritual life for a while and it served to keep me married and to keep me going. And there's also the risk in doing this work and doing the inner work and in looking at ourselves and pausing and asking ourselves in the day-to-day life, like, am I really happy? Like, is this really what I, how I want to be spending my time, my energy, my, Use, Um, and when we're just busy with all the things, it's like we don't have to stop and look at that. Because sometimes when we do pause to do the inner work, we have to kind of confront the fact that maybe things need to change. And that's also too where women come to me in this kind of stuck point of I I want to stay and I want to (laughs) leave, and not knowing what to do. And I was there for another four years before I finally really, after seeing so, so clearly how toxic the relationship had become, how emotionally abusive the relationship had become and seeing the disconnect from how I was living my life on the outside, like social media, you know, how I was presenting our family life to look a certain way, or even the things I believed in and that I was involved in. I in my graduate program started the feminist caucus and was all about women's rights and, and women and girls issues around the world. And then I was going home and getting yelled at behind closed doors. And I couldn't continue to live with this like dissonance of this person that my soul was growing to and and pulling me to become and continuing to allow myself to have to play small to stay in that relationship. I realized I hated who I had to be to stay in that relationship and playing small and letting someone talk to me in a certain way. I mean, and it even got bad that he was like yelling at me in public and in front of our kids. I realized like, I can't continue to be in this in-between place anymore and he's not changing. And I got support around me and it took about a year of planning to actually leave because I had three little kids, not easy, but it was like truly the best thing because I was at one point before I I really kind of hit a bottom in the relationship. I was even like thinking I needed to kill myself because I was believing all of the manipulation that I was crazy that i was making things up and i thought and he kind of played off of some mental health history i had had when i was younger when i was getting loaded and i thought oh my kids like would be better off without a mom like me <laughs> and um and then i realized i was on maternity leave at this time and there was some ppd involved but um in my corporate job, I had just been promoted to run a a large $3 million mental health program with over 20 staff and interns under me. And I thought, wait a second, like I wouldn't be getting this much responsibility in like my outside life, in my job, if I was like crazy, like that just wouldn't happen. And that was just a huge moment of clarity for me about the truth. And where I really started just tuning in and listening to that inner voice and trusting her implicitly, which took me a long, long time. Because when we've had trauma, you know, we cut off. We cut off from our bodies and and the intuition that lives in there. So it was such a long process for me. But, you know, it takes, sometimes it takes what it takes. And I have a lot of compassion for folks who feel like I've been in this crappy relationship or their series of crappy relationships for, for years. And it's like, when we know better, we do better, right? Yeah. Um, so, there was, so there's a few big moments within kind of that total time we were together, maybe like 13-year period um, of that awakening. And it's like cyclical of like kind of hitting a bottom and then kind of realizing, wait a second, like
0: something needs to change. Yes, So many lessons in there for us to take away from that, just listening to your story. What I really think is so incredible is how you noticed the dissonance between these parts of yourself. And it's almost like you woke up to that understanding of everything you were teaching and standing for, you were turning around to tell to yourself. Mm. And I don't know who has said this, but I've heard that what we teach, we often teach it because we need to learn it. It's what we need to learn the most in life. And that's why we're teaching it. And it's like, you could hear that those lessons were coming around for you because you were the one that most needed them in those Mm -hmm. moments. Yeah, absolutely. Like
1: spirit, my guides were, you know, even in the darkest moments I could see where now looking back where I was being supported In those moments of being on my knees, just crying out in so much pain with that hot roiling anger inside my belly because I'm home alone with a two-week-old infant and my ex-husband was out drinking and passing out at a friend's house and I haven't slept in two days. In those moments of like so much pain in the relationship, I also had such beautiful spiritual experiences and visions and openings whether it was just seeing colors or having something come over me that I knew I was being supported and carried through. And in that pain, sometimes was the most profound little moments of awakening or even just opening to the experience of like, there's so much more beyond this. And I really anchored into those moments.
0: Beautiful. Something you said earlier about ending the relationship and how that was right for you really struck me because as you said, it's not right for everyone. Some people, you know, really don't want to end a relationship or it's not right. And they want to go forward together. How did you make that decision for yourself? How did you know what was right? How did you know that it was time? And um, just how were you able to follow that for yourself? Mm,
1: I love this question. This is like such the core of the work. Um, because we can be here for years, even decades, right, of in this in-between place of feeling like this is not serving my highest good, this is not aligned, and I can't imagine my life without this person, or there's just so many other external circumstances. And, you know, throughout the pat, the, the time, no matter what was going on in the relationship, I stayed committed to my own personal growth, my spiritual growth, um, you know, went and attended spiritual events and had healings. Um, and I just stayed committed to that and anchored into that no matter what, because I was determined regardless of what's happening in the relationship, if it's a good day, if it's a bad day, like I want to stay committed to my growth. And I think that's so key. If you're in this kind of stuck in between place is just to continue to work on you and nourishing yourself and attending to your spiritual practices or spiritual growth, whatever that looks like. And I, for me, I came to the point where I felt like I needed to know that I did everything I could before I, I made a decision that was going to really affect a lot of people's lives. Because it's not a decision to be taken lightly. Separation, divorce is huge. And sometimes I feel like our society, because it's maybe so common, like romanticizes it, or sometimes clients will come to me like, just thinking it's the easy way out, and it's really not. If we think about just the legal, the financial, the societal, our families are we lose friends, right? As we break up friend groups, um, if there's children involved, there's so many levels. So, I felt I understood the gravity of the decision and you know, I, I tried, I said, you know, will you go to couples counseling? Will you just sit and listen while I read this parenting book? I remember begging and he was like, no, I don't need that. You're the one that needs that stuff. I don't need that stuff. And I just went to my own therapy. You know, I continued to do my own work and I came to a point where I really felt like, okay, I have really done everything I could. And part of that work is really going down and identifying what were the situations that created the conditions that I even picked this person to be with in the first place or allowed kind of the relationship to allowed him really not consciously, but over time to treat me worse and worse and be more manipulative and more toxic because I wasn't even aware I, I, my boundaries were being walked over. Like I didn't know because that was the whole way I was raised was just to walk all over my boundaries and had a very authoritarian parenting style. So once I started to go back and kind of do some inner child healing, I felt like I was able to make a decision from a more healed whole place for my adult self, for my higher self. And I think this is so key is that if we're feeling like we're not sure what to do, we need to look at Who's in the driver's seat? Is it our old pattern? Is it the old stories belief system? Is it the wounded inner child? Is it an unhealed nervous system or amygdala? Because we're constantly in flat fight or flight. If that person's like in the driver's seat, like we should not, like there's a reason why we don't like kids drive cars, right? So like we don't want our wounded inner child like calling the shots. They already kind of got us into the situation thinking that it was going to give them something they didn't get growing up. And that's, there's no blame in that but we have to kind of pause and take the time to center ourselves, ground ourselves, strengthen ourselves. And from that place, after kind of that work was done, I was able to see like very clearly, this is not the relationship with like absolute certainty. And I wanted to be in that place where it was like, yes, I absolutely know like this is the right next step before, you know, again, cause it's like kind of an atomic bomb going off in, in a little family. And, um, and I really took that with a lot of responsibility.
0: Congratulations on (laughs) really reaching that level. I mean, there's so much work involved in all of that. And I love what you said about your kids. You said, I'm doing this healing for my kids. And the important thing here is not just me, it's all these other people. Mm -hmm. And I love how in your work you, so I think I'm so drawn to your work because it, so fully blends the physical and scientific world with the spiritual and the kind of unknown ephemeral aspects of the world. And those are just my favorite things. Yes. And so (laughs) the fact that you just put all that out there, it just... I love it so much. And so I love this um, aspect of ancestral healing or lineage healing and how you Mm -hmm. are kind of breaking a pattern that your kids Mm -hmm. can now go forward with um, kind of healthy standpoints in life. Whereas before you had this kind of chain of different dis-ease throughout Mm -hmm. the family units. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything to say about that? Do you want to speak around that? Yeah. Gosh, I started really diving into
1: ancestral healing and healing ancestral trauma about a year ago. I now I learned about it maybe 10 years ago when I was in graduate school. Um, we, you know, looked at the initial studies and stuff and this was at UCLA where they were really just looking at inherited trauma, like as far as disease and what are the roles of like genetics versus, um, stories. There's a, um, Gentleman, Doctor Greg Greg Braden is G R E G G, who talks a lot about um, the power of story around inheritance versus like the biology, which is all super interesting to me. But I became aware of this, and I just thought, wow, as a mother with a two-year-old at the time um, in graduate school, learning about this. I and we were living with my parents while I was in graduate school because I wasn't working. Um, I went, I would go home understanding the incest, the intergenerational trauma, the attachment, um, styles and how attachment trauma is passed down intergenerationally. And I would watch my parents interact with my two-year-old daughter at the time. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> it was just like looking into a, a time machine, into a window of the past. I could see all the, the misattunements and, you know, and, um, the, the lack of atten- attention or really hearing her or being present with her. Um, and it was just so eye-opening of, oh, okay, well, this is why I am the way I am, or I, I you know became the way I did, and, and I'm changing that. But I feel so passionately that just because we came from a lineage where of of alcoholics, of people with mental illness, um, of people with diabetes, even. Like, it doesn't mean that it has to continue going. And I feel like there's a lot of talk and discussion around ancestral healing and ancestral trauma and healing lineages right now online, um, because this is just the time that there's, like, this mass awakening that we have been kind of unconsciously repeating patterns and cycles, like I talked about. And now we're realizing that just because that's what you were raised in, that's just because that's what you saw growing up, or maybe you've never even seen a healthy relationship doesn't mean that you're doomed to have to repeat that cycle and that you can change that pattern. Um, Gosh, I want to say, you know, in both of my parents' childhoods, they experienced severe physical abuse and, um, and, and they both experienced a lot of poverty. My mom's an immigrant from Mexico. And so she had the immigration trauma and just every, everything that went with it. When I look back at back a couple more generations, there is just poverty, poverty, abuse, abuse, alcoholism, like just as far back as people can tell stories, at least in the last hundred years. And I feel like it's kind of all funneled down to me <laughs> and from me choosing, you know, as my first step to get sober and then as the next step to really pursue the spiritual life and the self-development, um, just kind of taking it another step. Um, you know, it's allowed my immediate family, not because I'm trying, not because I'm telling anybody what they need to do or what they should do. I learned a long time ago to never give unsolicited advice, especially to family. Um, But it's a lot, it's kind of created this space or almost permission for them to be a little bit more vulnerable, for them to look at themselves, for them to reach out for mental health support. And I'm not saying like, oh, I did this. It was just because it's like a domino. One person changes in this family system, it's going to affect the whole system. You can't change and it not affect people somehow. And maybe it's in ways we don't see. Um, But in my situation, and it's probably because my family lives close by and we're just very close. It's been very, very noticeable. Like my dad getting sober again about two years ago. And um, because I had to set some hard boundaries and go no contact with him for a while, that wasn't an outcome I was expecting. That was just an outcome of me doing my work, of doing my inner child healing, of me doing my boundary work of me asserting my worth and my value and, you know, needing to protect myself around him. I really believe that it's just in the little stories, you know, that we tell, God, I'll give an example. We were um, at dinner at my brother's house about two months ago and I was asking my parents, hey, did we go to this like big, nice house with like all white furniture, like in the late 80s when I was like a kid? and And I just had this memory of this house. And my dad said, Oh yeah, that was a, you know, he was in real estate at the time and he sold this big, beautiful home to, um, this couple that was wealthy. And he's, he's like, yeah. And after they moved in, they invited us over for dinner one night, you know, uh, the, the poor people. And my mom kind of laughed and she's like, yeah, us poppers, ha ha ha. And they kind of just like, chuckled and laughed that we're like the paupers, we're the poor people. And you know, that got invited into this like white palatial, you know, mansion in the hills for dinner. And it just struck me, understanding the power of stories and the narrative and and how the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves pattern our subconscious, which drives every decision and all our behaviors, right? And I just thought, wow. How many times have my parents told themselves, both of them growing up in extreme legit poverty? And but because of their lack of, of awareness, of consciousness around this, how many times have they reinforced this to themselves? Like, oh, we're the poor people, we're the paupers. And you know, they live a comfortable working class life today and they both worked really, really hard. And they didn't physically abuse us in a way that they were. So in a way, they have really done made huge leaps in, um, healing the lineage. And I know that's not everyone's experience. Um, and I'm grateful for that. Um, and I feel like I'm taking an even bigger leap now with, okay, now I'm not like hitting my kids and I'm also not making them feel responsible for my feelings and, you know, and I'm not worrying them about money and like all of the things that kind of, um, happened to me when I was young. And um, looking at the story, so I just try to be so careful and intentional, like the things like money. I tell my kids, oh, we're choosing not to spend our money on that today. Instead of like, oh, there's not enough money, we have no money, how dare you ask me for this? And kind of like that very lack scarcity vibration that I was raised in. Um, And then they see how my husband today treats me and how he, you know, cares for me and is attuned to me and is a safe person for them to go to. And they love their dad and they visit their dad. And my husband provides them, I want to say, absolutely safety um, and kind of that safe, strong, like masculine container. And again, it doesn't have to be because he's male, but in our situation, it is um, that they don't get from their dad. And, um, now I know that, you know, regardless of, of their identity or orientation going forward, they're going to choose something healthier because that's what they're seeing at home. And that's, you know, hopefully the stories they're hearing from me. Sometimes I still catch myself repeating those old, um, stories. And then I, (gasps) you know, have to like repair it. And um, because, you know, I'm programming them right now. And I take that so, so seriously.
0: I love that. I think it's so powerful. And I think you're doing such good work just listening to you. I don't know your kids, but I see you post about your family. And I love that you post about your family because Mm. it comes from a really vulnerable place, you know, to talk about your children, to talk about your husband, to talk about ex-husband, all of it. It's, it's very vulnerable to really get into the details of our private life. Um, But I think it's so important because when you've done the work or when you're doing the work, I suppose, because we're always doing the work, you are really able to see all of the healing that is kind of rippling outward from you. And I love how you said, you know, your family is healing. Like, the generation above you is healing because of the healing you're doing there. There, really is no separation when we heal ourselves. I think that we also heal the world around us. Mm-hmm. And as you said, even if we don't see it, it's still there. It's still happening. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then I'll just, you know, put a little note um, that something I participated in last year that was really profound. Was it an ancestral healing, um, course. It's based off of this book, um, facilitated by a man named Daniel Floor. Um, but it, we actually got in touch with, and I've just worked with my mother's mother's lineage so far, because that was my most well and intact lineage because my mom is an immigrant and, but her mother was still very connected with, um, a lot of the healing practices and kind of indigenous, um, Culture and practices of that of that family lineage um, in Mexico, um, but it was really cool because we were facilitated to con- um, kind of establish contact or relationship with uh, past ancestors that are are well, and um, I had these four very very old grandmothers, and um, they are you know, kind of more Northern Native American in appearance and, um, kind of through the program held space for them to heal my ancestors that are not well in the lineage. And I was able to even have a, they gifted me with a vision of when my grandmother's grandmother's village, uh, was overran by the Spanish conquistadors and what that moment looked like and where they, and this is a trigger warning, but um, where they actually raped and killed my grandmother and then took her baby. And um, that is, and I saw that so clearly, that was kind of the original wound, the original trauma. And and these older ones, you know, the ones that still were very intact with their culture um, and the healing practices and the gifts of the lineage, were able to come in and heal her and heal other women in my lineage um, in a container. And so that the gifts of our older ones, you know, we all come from a tribe. We all come from people that had gifts more that was very just right, integrated and alive in their daily life, um, allowing that to kind of flow down. And I, and through the practice, I continue to ask that my, you know, my mother's, mothers' siblings and and their children and their children and their children be blessed with kind of the gifts, the gifts of the lineage. And I see myself too as part of that. Um, even when we did our meditation and we called in spirit, I felt so viscerally these four grandmothers come around me in my space. And they're such a beautiful resource for me. Before I go into something that's nerve-wracking or that I know is going to be a challenge, I, I feel like I call on them and they remind me of where I come from. And what are like the gifts that are just in me? And when I start to doubt myself, um, I remember that as much as we can always focus on kind of the, the ancestral trauma and repatterning and shifting those stories and doing the healing there. As we do that, we also open the flow to receive the gifts of our ancestors. And my, they were seers and healers. That, that's what the words they shared with me were the gifts. And I know my, my mother's mother was a curandera. She used a lot of traditional healing and herbs and kind of home remedies. And my mother in wanting to assimilate and kind of internalizing colonialism has really tried to thought that was really just old fashioned and superstitious. And, and just recently I've been kind of on a mission. I'm going and asking my older aunts and uncles uh, questions to try to discover and uncover more and planning a trip to the family home that's still there that my mother was born in. So I can kind of reacquaint myself with some healers in the village that she's from. So I know this is like a little off topic, but that's just something that I'm looking forward to in the next year. Um, I just feel like that is like the next step of healing for me is healing that ancestrally healing, reconnecting with my culture and my people. And I think a lot of us are feeling called to do that too.
0: Yeah. No, that's exactly the kind of thing I want to hear. I think it's so special that you just shared um, a really important point that it's not just the ancestral trauma that we have to look at because we can get very overwhelmed with how much we have to heal if we look at ourselves right now, if we look at all the people that were in our lineage, like that's overwhelming. And so I think that that really centering that around, there are also really healthy people in your lineage it's really important to be so clearly aware of primary wounds. Like what you mentioned with your grandmother's grandmother's grandmother, like having a primary wound from the movements of civilization to Mm. put it kindly. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of the trauma in us on a, on a spiritual level, I think is from the violence that's been in our world and the um, you know, patriarchal and colonialist and all of that weight on us. Um, So thank you for all of that. And I love how much you are reclaiming and growing into. And that brings me to another question that I had for you. So that question is really around healing. But what really strikes me about you is that you're a therapist, but you're a healer and not everyone who studies something in the realm that is healing bodies, minds, or spirits, calls themselves a healer. But I know that you do identify with that. And I just wonder if there was a moment for you, if there was a time where you realized, like, I'm a healer, and you kind of stood in that and balanced Mm. yourself in it.
1: Oh, my gosh. I was just thinking about this before we got on the call today, um, that if there was something that, like, what's next? What am I... Kind of working on it's really that it's really you know starting this online healing coaching business um, about a year ago after you know doing traditional counseling since 2006 and I know I have always incorporated elements of healing I've always talked to my clients about their spirituality um, a lot of the work in school that I've done has been centered around the importance and the need to incorporate spirituality and healing mental health um, because it's just in mental health as a whole. And I was part of the um, LA County Department of Mental Health System, which is the world's largest mental health provider. And as of a few years ago, they were just barely doing some like kind of initiative projects around like maybe we should really you know make it a, a point to at least ask people about their spirituality when we're in taking them into our system so I have always I've always known that that's so important and so vital but really standing and kind of separating myself and saying yes I'm a therapist yes I've been a counselor for many years and I need to know what time you were born so we can figure out your moon sign because this is important yeah. <laughs> right and understanding like your emotional state or your human design and, and understanding how to work with your energy. Um, it's really been just in the last year that I am like, okay, I am like, I'm here for this. And, and I have a right to stand in this and I've done the work and I embody it. Seeing myself as like a leader in that it's just really my, my area of of growth right now, kind of breaking away from traditional therapist, which I've been doing a long time. And I know I'm proficient into this realm. So I love the the clients that have come to work with me. It's, you know, a lot of other coaches, energy healers, people that identify as empaths or in that kind of realm. Um, and it's just really such a joy for me to bring them the science and the neurobiology and kind of all of that. That's, you know, so real. Cause a lot of them are very good at like the energy And I'm like, okay, and let's all talk, let's talk about how to regulate your nervous system when you're triggered and where that comes from. And, you know, that's so important too. Um, So yeah, it's, it's a, it's an evolution. And I think that where I'm being called to is to really stand more in that. And it maybe will turn some people off, but then they're not my people. Right. And, um, yeah. So, so I love that you asked that because I was thinking about it before the call, like, this is really my area I'm stretching into right now and really owning that part of me in the public space. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, and I know that you are just getting into tarot this year. You mentioned to me and there's this card called the higher font, everyone listening. Um, and it's, um, the, It's numbered five in the major arcana. And it is this card that has so many meanings. But in my heart, (laughs) it really speaks to, there are two huge sides of it. And the first side is kind of the first side you have to go through. So the Hierophant kind of stands for traditional knowledge um, and institutionalized systems. But Mm -hmm. then on the other side of it, It stands for, so let me just give an example because it's going to be easier to understand than keywords. But so we can look at the Hierophant and the Hierophant is essentially like a religious figure. Like it looks like the Pope on the card. And so if we look at that from the viewpoint of religion, if you look at religion on the surface, it is for the masses and it is about kind of going to church and listening to someone tell you something and reading what's in the Bible or whatever religious book there is. But if you keep going all the way through that faith, you eventually pass through into the higher aspects of that faith, which are the esoteric aspects. And at that point, it's like you transcend reading the book and listening to the speaker in front of you, and you go into the direct connection Mm. with God or source. Mm. And so... When I look at work like you're doing, I see you passing through all the higher font lessons where the institutions you went through are learning therapy, are going through the educational system, going through UCLA. And then you're like passing through this veil where you're mm-hmm. like, this, there's something more here. And I can now evolve it because I've gained all of this knowledge And now I can change it. I can break it open and say, what else is inside of this? What is the esoteric level of this? And that's what I see in your work. Mm, Thank you. That
1: feels so affirming. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Of course. Mm. And I guess I'd love to know how you sort of left behind what seems like felt to be a rigid container of therapy and the system to um, becoming a coach and deciding that it was something you wanted to do again on that second level of Hierophant of being in that more evolved level, not even evolved, but it's about learning the rules so that you can then break them. Right. That's, mm. that's like a breakdown of everything I just said in my long spiel. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that question. Yeah. Um, I know I have like this business coach and he like calls us like rebel practitioners, like people that are, have maybe been in the system and done all the things and are like, they see all the limitations, um, j- just down to the basic, like DSM, like diagnosing. Folks And how problematic um, that is and just the whole foundation of how they have come to these diagnosis and putting people um, in these kind of boxes and the very rigid um, containers of like evidence-based practices, like certain types of therapies, while there is value in all of them, like cognitive behavioral therapy or DBT, they can only take you so far right and i felt like so gosh what is it about 2 years ago is when i left that really highly responsible what do i want to call it i was a clinical director and they were i was being pushed into an administrator position which is like like you have your own shop and you know you're like the big boss and i didn't want to do it <laughs> and and it didn't mean i couldn't um i would have been very good at it it would have been like a six figure job right i would have like made it And I was just like, I didn't want to do it. And I started to get really sick. And I think I heard you talk about adrenal fatigue in one of your episodes. And I was like getting sick a lot and I was getting vertigo um, because I was just working all the time and just push myself to burn out. And then one day I broke out in shingles <laughs> and I was taken off of work for, I think it was like three weeks or something. Whoa. And I just thought, you know, I, I haven't had a break. I haven't like stopped moving. I remember one time earlier that year, I sat on the couch and my daughter who was like four at the time was like, mommy, why are you sitting down? Cause <laughs> it's like, I never <laughs> stopped moving. It was weird to her. I was sitting on the couch. Yeah. And, um, So I was like, you know, I'm going to take this time and really do some soul searching because, you know, this promotion was coming up, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I spent a lot of time just meditating and and doing yoga and just writing. And I took it as like a little spiritual sabbatical and really looked forward into my life. And I'm just kind of like doing what's expected of me. I realized, again, just like in my marriage, now I'm doing it in my career where I'm just like kind of being pushed forward in this system because I'm, high achiever. And so the system is just pushing me. And I realized like, I don't want to do this, that this isn't like me intentionally living my life. And I came back and I started looking, I got the first other job that I applied for, which was a much lower paying job. Um, but it was way less stress, you know, just being a worker bee case manager. Um, and nobody understood it at the time. Like, how could you leave? And you're about to, to make it, you know, and take a $25,000 a year pay cut. And people were just like, I don't get it. And I was like, I don't know. I just have to go. Like, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I took this lower paying job where I still, it still like has a lot of, of value. You know, I work with a lot of low income seniors and I will go visit them in their homes and, um, help coordinate their healthcare. It's like a medical social work position. So it still feels like I'm doing good work. Um, but then I was like done at work by like three in the afternoon. It could be with my kids after school. And, and then around this time I started like listening to podcasts of like women who were, um, like business coaches and, and talking about entrepreneurship and spirituality. And, um, and I was like, I don't know why I just feel drawn to listen to this. I'm just going to do it. And it, about a year into it, I was like, you know, maybe I will start to try something. I never thought I would start a business, be a business owner. Um, my dad, you know, has a history of many failed businesses and really putting our family sometimes in like great financial peril over his failed business ventures. Um, and I, uh, yeah, decided like. You know, from just my years of the public mental health system, like, and all the limitations that there's so much more I could do, um, incorporating all these things that have helped me heal, you know, like if it's in somebody's value system to see a shaman, I'm like, go see a shaman. Like, let me give you mine's phone number. Like he's amazing. Like, you know, and it's just, we have to heal the mind, body, spirit. And again, I think that goes back to my, now I'm seeing more indigenous ancestral roots. Um, especially, you know, like curandetas always are treating the mind, the body, the emotional body and the spirit. And they see it as like, it needs to be all four. And it was a little bit hard for me to leave kind of the traditional system because I used to run a program where we could literally pick people off the street and skid row and and house them and feed them. And that was very important. And it is very, very important and valuable work. And it was like, it's been a, a process for me to to kind of not let them go because I felt like I was abandoning them. This was like some inner child stuff that came up for me in this too. Um but know that their their system in places and allowing them to be taken care of by that and knowing I put my time in, in that system, I did it for a decade. Yeah. And that it was time to transition into something else. Where by helping women who are leaders, who are entrepreneurs, who are healers, um that 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 is going to trickle down and affect their families and their communities or make their practices more effective um, and shift into into that and honoring and being able to talk about all the things that maybe you're not allowed to in a more traditional therapy practice and system. So yeah, and then here I am a year later and um, and I've got almost a full caseload and kind of, so to speak, in my private coaching business. And it's been amazing. And even in starting a business, and that's a whole other ball of wax of needing to heal emotional trauma and all kinds of things involved with that too. So yeah, you're right. It never stops.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I love that you stepped through that. I think that where we're called to do the healing work, whatever it is that we're doing, is where we're supposed to go next. And it can be Mm -hmm. hard to leave behind whatever it is, wherever we were at, whoever we were helping. But I don't know, I read a long time ago about how when you're ready to leave a job, someone else is ready to catch that job. Like they want that position. And that stayed with me and helped me to go, okay, like wherever I'm called to next, I'm supposed to go there. Mm -hmm. And you could really hear that and, everyone that you're serving, you're changing on a completely new level, a different level Mm -hmm. than where you were working. I love Mm -hmm. that you went through that and you kind of up leveled into that new state of yourself. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good way to describe it. It was and, and up leveling is always uncomfortable. And as we expand and stretch, um, but like that's what I'm here for. Like, I, I feel like even in, in high school, before I really got full into like my addiction, I was reading like Sophie's choice and my best friend and I had a philosophy journal where we, you know, ask each other about the meaning of life. (laughs) I've always just been like that type of person, just like looking for kind of more. Um, and I don't know if it'll stop. And I'm, I appreciate that part of me.
0: So do we. Thank you. (laughs) So you mentioned the inner child, um, stuff coming up when you were going to leave that last job. And I would just love to hear what the inner child is.
1: That's beautiful. Okay. So we all have an inner child. Um, that's like this part of us and that part of us is the part you can think of it like on a on like spiritual level of like inner child or a part or you can think of it like as a biological level like kind of our our more primal brain right and in our, our nervous system and our automatic reactions to me i see it's it's both right she's both and and she you know is still there and very much alive and present with the experiences that happened in you know, infancy, early childhood, adolescence. And we have to remember when we have like trauma that it kind of lives in a part of our brain that exists outside of space and time, right? So that's why when we have things like flashbacks, it's more like a flash now. It's that something is a triggering us and causing a, what we call unquote, a flashback. But that part of our brain that has that trauma store doesn't know that that was in the past. So that part of our brain is telling us, oh my God, it's happening right now. Like, it's present and alive right now. And, um, you know, so we're adults in these adult bodies with sometimes wounded inner children, children that could be something, like, really horrific and traumatic things happened. And and that is so, so tender and, and real. And people also find, especially when they're, like, you know, reading things I post about childhood emotional neglect and emotional trauma, that, um, you know, maybe your mom didn't know what to do with you. So she locked you in your room for an hour while you were having a tantrum when you were two or three years old, or your parents were just really busy and trying to do all the right things of being a parent and were overly committed and involved in all the activities or working all the time. So you didn't get that nurturing and that attunement that you needed. So it could be just this really broad spectrum of, of trauma of experience. And that is still being carried with us and still very much alive and a of our, our wounded inner child. And that part of us, again, like I said earlier, when we are kind of in that moment of stress, we we're going to like kind of default into our old pattern. Um, when the nervous system is triggered, that part of us takes the driver's seat and is going to be the one that interprets the information that's coming into the body and make meaning of that. And then kind of determine what's our next course of action. So women will come to me saying, um, oh, you know, I, I just like yell at my partner and I don't mean to, but like when he gets me upset, I just like yell. And then I feel so shitty after because like, I don't want to treat him like that. But in the moment, like I can't help it, you know, and they feel stuck and it's like, oh, my mom yelled at my dad. And I know like, that's where I learned it from but I don't know how to stop it. Like how do, how do I stop myself from like reacting? How do I stop myself from continuing to choose emotionally unavailable or, you know, wounded people to date, right? It could manifest in a lot of ways. And it's like, well, that's, we all have an inner child. And if she's wounded, if she needs healing um, and we kind of get that moment of trigger, like she is making the decisions and calling the shots. And it's not like we want to get rid of her or that she's wrong. She is just doing what she has always done, what she thinks she needs to do to navigate through this trigger, through this stress, through this situation. So if it means when you feel criticized by your partner, um, that you grew up in a very critical environment, that you just learned how to attack back, or you learn to shut down or to put up walls to to disconnect and disassociate, right? There's a lot of different ways that that your body could have kind of learned to respond and, and over time that became your pattern, that that's still very much alive and present in your current relationship or, you know, at work, however it's showing up. And that is the part that needs to um, kind of be repaired and be healed. She needs to be or he needs to be or they need to be um tended to and given that reparative experience um through nurturing and growing our adult part our adult selves our higher selves strengthening our mindfulness skills um, you know the observer as it's often referred to in meditation that's kind of like our higher self or adult self so that over time we're laying a new pattern and it's through we can do it through lots of different ways Um, through actually actionable, implementable, targeted, strategic action that we're going to take that's laying in a new pattern. It's through journaling. It's through remothering, refathering interventions. It's through, you know, something I do a lot is like guiding people to go back to those times um, and resourcing themselves or learning how to experience that um, trauma differently. It's through building safety and resilience in our nervous system. And all of these things like help kind of heal that child, give that child what they needed, what they really needed, that safety, that security, that belonging, that emotionally available and present and safe adult in their life. So when we have those moments of being triggered because we're feeling criticized by our partner, even though it may not even be truly that, but that is how we're interpreting it and it may be. Um, but we still don't have to react or respond in a way that we know is not how we really want to. It's not in, in alignment with the person that we, we know we are in our best selves or that we want to be because, and that just kind of set, sets the cycle of this snowball of unhealthy communication, of unfulfilling relationships, right? Whatever it might be. And I tell people, we can't change how our partners are showing up, but we can change how we are. And know that we're acting in a way that's in integrity with our highest selves and who we're trying to be. So that's a very long answer because it's a very complicated question,
0: but I hope I addressed it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think it's great. I just, I wanted to hear it because I think a lot of people don't know what the inner Mm -hmm. child is. They don't know where Mm -hmm. to start and everyone's perspective as a healer is a little different. And yours, I love the both and. I love Mm -hmm. that, you know, I said that in the beginning about you. I love that about you because the both and is really important. The spiritual aspect and the physical aspect, the biological aspect of us is very important. And um, learning how to address them both together is, I feel, our highest way to heal. So with a lot Mm -hmm. of my clients, I'll, I'll say like, you know, we can look at it just strictly spiritual lens. We can talk about your chakras all day. But we also have to talk about the actual tangible aspects of your life, what you're doing, the daily actions you're taking. We have to do both and it's just mm. all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think the goal ultimately is like
1: healing the inner child and integration. Um, and, you know, neuroscience talks about integration in terms of integration, all parts of our brain and having more and more connections. So they can all communicate and work together smoothly. Yeah. And it's also integrating our, the healthy parts of our inner child. And some of this is done also through like somatic work and somatic release and that too. Um, so she can be alive and present and available to us. And it's, yeah. it affects our ability to be creative, to be spontaneous, to experience joy, to experience intimacy and passion and to play and all of that, you know, too, is kind of the groundwork for manifesting, right? For making our like dreams and our goals come true. But if we're not integrated, if we're not um, keeping our, that inner child alive and present with us and, and letting her come out to play and to be spontaneous, then it, then we're also going to feel stuck in moving forward in our lives too, Um, so like my inner child, she, like when I was little, I had like this really crazy red, super curly hair. People thought my parents permed my hair. They would call me Shirley Temple and she didn't like to get dressed. She loved, I have so many pictures of me in my parents' apartment when I was little, like just naked because I like refused, you know, and she's just like this little wild child ass kicker. Um, and when she's there and present with me, that's like a resource, you know, of, of how I can show up for that with, for my kids to be playful and to be relaxed and to not be so rigid right or even in my work I
0: love um
1: that. so it's about honoring and integrating those parts of us too the joyful parts of us that maybe were dimmed down maybe were suppressed by the grown-ups in our life who didn't know how to hold space for all of that yeah. cuz I was a lot I was a lot and you know and and that wasn't bad those were like the best parts of me and it's still a journey it's still a journey.
0: This has been such a wonderful conversation. I am just so happy with this. And I just want to know if there's anything that you want to share with everyone listening today, anything that has come up throughout our conversation or anything that's just on your mind or heart.
1: Mm. Yeah, I just want to invite everyone listening to see where they are. Can open up a little bit more to self compassion and to being gentle with yourself, to forgiving yourself and to honoring everything that you've gone through to bring you to this point, particularly around issues of like intimacy, of romance, of love. If you're listening to this and just realizing, like, oh wow, this is just some validation that I'm not in a great relationship, or oh wow, like I, you know and maybe great in some other areas of my life but with work i'm really struggling or with you know friendship platonic friendships i really struggle or with romantic relationships i really struggle or with my relationship to food i'm really struggling and just to know that um you can always resource yourself from other areas of your life where you have had success where you have accomplished and overcome some things and know that it is it is in you and and you can overcome this too. And yeah, just, you know, that there's no shame and I hope you don't feel shame. And if you do, like that's okay too. Um, but just to allow yourself maybe a little bit more forgiveness, a little bit more self-compassion where you can open up just a little bit more around maybe a difficult relationship that you're in or a difficult relationship pattern that you're in and that you're not the only one in this tough space. And it's okay to acknowledge it if you're living the double life like I lived where maybe your life looks really spiritual and awesome and great on social media and then behind closed doors like things are not great, that that's okay. That's a reality for a lot of people and like you're not the only one. And I just invite you to find someone safe that you can get support with and be a little bit more vulnerable and real about what is going on behind closed doors. And that's why I share so transparently about my story um, about, you know, how humiliated I was. I was eight months pregnant, getting screamed up by my ex-husband when we were trying to get into Disneyland with two other kids in tow, because I forgot my pass in the car and we had to wait 10 minutes for a manager to come scan me through, you know, and just feeling like, God, (laughs) just so ashamed, you know, and that you can still come back from that. And still find that wholeness and that self-love that, that you see other people have, or maybe you had at one point, um, that it's still available and accessible to you. Um, but we, we can't do this alone.
0: We are all clapping after that yeah. powerful oh. statement. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much again for being here. Everyone, you can find her on Instagram. And yeah. of course, you can find her personal private work through there. Yeah. That would be great to connect.
1: So you can find me um, on Instagram. That's where I am pretty much present
0: and active every day or my website, Cassandra Solano.com. Beautiful. And I will link everything of course, in the show notes. So you guys can check that out there. So you make sure to connect and follow her. Her Instagram is so wonderful. So many beautiful things for personal healing, for understanding yourself and other people are on there every week. It's awesome. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Like, I so appreciate um, the space that you hold and the intentionality that you have with your podcast and your discussions. It's like so, so valuable. So, I just hope that this continues to grow and grow for you too.
0: Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure having you here. Yeah. Thanks for having me.